This is Come and See by Father Ron Baird for May 8, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. The message is by Mother Nancy Stanton. In reflecting on this week's Gospel passage, there were two things which I found very striking. First of all was the range of emotions which are conveyed in it. For example, in the beginning, Luke tells us that Jesus approached them in the course of their lively exchange. When he asks what they were discussing, they halt in amazement that he's unaware of what's happened. And then Jesus pretends to have a lack of knowledge in order to see what their beliefs were. In the midst of their description of recent events, they tell him they were hoping that Jesus would set Israel free from Roman rule. They tell him that that didn't happen. Jesus turned the wrong way. He turned the way of the cross to set us free from sin. And they say that the news which the women brought was astonishing. In response to their story, Jesus rebukes them for not understanding why the Messiah came to earth. And then he begins to interpret what the prophets have predicted about him. And as they will say later, their hearts were burning. One of the definitions of burning in Webster's is to become emotionally excited. Because of these feelings, Jesus pretends that he will go on. And they implore him to stay, stay the night with them. And finally, at the end of the passage, after they have recognized Jesus and he has vanished from their sight, they hurry to return to Jerusalem and they're so excited and they're renewed by what's happened and they find others to tell them what they have experienced. The second thing that struck me was that this could be broken into three parts. The first part is the explanation by Jesus to the disciples of the passage from the prophets that applied to him. The second part of the passage is the Eucharist, the sharing of the body and the blood of Christ. And how is this meal shared? It's shared in community in the community, in the family of believers, which is seen for the first time when the disciples beg Jesus to remain with them, to stay with them for the night. And later, when the passage concludes with the disciples returning to Jerusalem, they return to rejoin the rest of the disciples who have stayed there. They go back to the family, to the family of believers. So if we put these parts of the passage together, 
We've related here the first recorded worship service of word, sacrament, and community. First of all, we have the word. The author John Pilch has said in his book, The Cultural World of Jesus, our Lord here preaches the first Easter sermon. Would that any of us could preach a sermon as well. Any good homily will include an explanation of what has occurred in the particular passage of the scripture, which is under our consideration. And that's just exactly what Jesus did here. Then once the disciples have invited Jesus to stay with them, once he has said that he will, and they share the Eucharist, they break the bread, they share the wine as a family, as a community. And this is what our worship is all about, Sunday after Sunday. We listen to the word. We listen to God's word and what he tells us. And then we share the sacrament of the Eucharist together. And we share it together as a family, as a community of believers. There's a true story about a famous monastery which has fallen onto hard times. Formerly, its many buildings were filled with young monks, and its big church resounded with the singing and the chanting, but now it was nearly deserted. People no longer came there to be nourished by prayer. A handful of old monks shuffled through the cloisters and praised their God with heavy, heavy hearts. On the edge of the monastery woods, an old rabbi had built a little hut, and he would come there from time to time to fast and to pray. No one ever spoke with him, but whenever he appeared, the word would pass from one monk to the other. The rabbi walks in the woods. And for as long as he was there, the monks would feel sustained by his prayerful presence. One day, the abbot decided to visit the rabbi and to open his heart to him. So after the morning Eucharist, he set out through the woods. And as he approached the hut, the abbot saw the rabbi standing at the doorway. His arms were outstretched in welcome. The rabbi motioned the abbot to enter. In the middle of the room was a wooden table with scripture opened on it. They sat for a moment in the presence of the book until the rabbi finally said, you and your brothers are serving God with a heavy heart. You have come to ask a teaching of me, and I will give you this teaching, but you can only repeat it once. And after that, no one must say it aloud again. The rabbi looked straight at the abbot, and he said, the Messiah is among you. For a while, all was silent. And then the rabbi said, now you must go, and 
and the abbot left without a word and without ever looking back. The next morning, the abbot called his monks together in the chapter room, and for a while, they sat there silently. And then he told them that he had received a teaching from the rabbi who walks in the woods, and that his teaching was never again to be spoken aloud. Then he looked at each of his brothers and said, the rabbi said that one of us is the Messiah. John the Messiah? Or Father Matthew? Or Brother Thomas? Am I the Messiah? What could this mean? They were all deeply puzzled by the rabbi's teaching, but no one ever, ever mentioned it again. As time went by, the monks began to treat one another with a very special reverence. There was a gentle, wholehearted human quality about them now, which was hard to describe and easy to notice. They lived with one another as men who finally found something, but they prayed the scriptures together as men who were always looking for something. Occasional visitors found themselves deeply moved by the life of these monks, and before long, people were coming from far and wide to be nourished by the prayer life of the monks. And young men were asking once again to become part of their community. So what does this story of the road to Emmaus teach us? It teaches us, I believe, that on our journey of life, there are many ups and downs, just as Luke conveyed to us so well. Our emotions range from elation one day to despair the next. For example, our lives are full of expectations. The same expectations, mistaken as they may be, which the two disciples had. They had hoped that Jesus was the one who would restore rule to Israel. And they were disappointed to realize that this was not to be. Sometimes we have too many expectations for our own lives. As our lives progress, many of our expectations, which we originally had, remain unfulfilled. Our lives move on in directions which we never would have guessed they would go. It's almost as if they're being guided by something which is beyond us. And we can respond to this unexpected direction in either one of two ways. The way that the disciples did with disillusionment because our expectations have not been meant, or with contentment, because we know that there is a greater force at work, a force in whose hands we will always, always be safe. So how do we achieve this contentment, this feeling of safety in the midst of all adversity which life throws at us? 
we can achieve this contentment by realizing that Jesus has stayed with us, just as he did with the two disciples. Imagine if Jesus had turned the other way and he had gotten rid of Rome and they were no longer ruling Israel. And that would have been the end of it. Imagine where we would be at this point. And instead, he turned towards the cross. He turned towards our being forgiven of our sins. And 2,000 years later, we are still being forgiven of our sins by Jesus who climbed up on the cross for each and every one of us. I've said this before, but I can't say it enough. If there had only been you, just you and Jesus, he still would have climbed up on the cross just for you. Why? Because he loves you that much. Each and every one of us, he loves that much. So we know in our heart of hearts, as my girlfriend says, we know way down in our knower that there's a greater force at work, a force in whose hands we will always be safe. So how do we achieve this contentment, this feeling of safety in the midst of all adversity which life throws at us? We achieve it by realizing that Jesus is always with us. Always with us. When we feel overwhelmed by life, when we feel that we just absolutely can't go on, when we feel alone, when we realize Jesus is with us, we realize that we're not alone. We're never alone that he's always with us. When we're in the depths of our despair, we need to realize that Jesus has been where we are in that despair before us. As we read about him in the word, we see that despair that he went through. And we need to remember the words of the beginning of the Gospel of John. As he tells us in the very first verse of his Gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's not all. There's more. When we're in the depths of our despair, if we reach back into our faith, and we see that Jesus has provided us with a, a continual remembrance of the sacrifice that he made for us in the celebration of the Eucharist, in the breaking of the bread, in the drinking of the wine, in his body and his blood. And each Sunday, as we come to the altar, and we take that body and that blood.
We need to thank him for what he did for us. We need to remember that he is with us. And we need to remember how much he loves us. And most of all, we need to remember that he is here among us, here in our family, here in our community of believers, within all of those that we encounter in our daily life, in our families at home, in our families at work. And it's that perception which can have a profound effect on our lives, just as it did on the lives of the monks in our story. For we will never, ever forget the words that he himself has left with us. Whoever you do, or the least of my my brethren, whatever you do, no matter what it is, whatever you do for the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Thanks be to God. Amen. You have been listening to Come and See by Father Ron Baird. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to come and see.